0: Welcome to Gateway Church Cymru, a church where anyone can be transformed by the story of Jesus. Wherever you find yourself, we pray that you would be encouraged today by God's Word. You. Our series that we started quite a while back now, which is called Revive. And we haven't been in the series for about a month or so, we haven't been in the series. But we're going to dive back into this series tonight. And as I've said, this series is all about revival. And you can download tonight's message notes on gatewaychurchcumery.co.uk forward slash sermon notes. And you can even add your own notes to that as well and email them to yourself. But we're going to continue tonight looking at revival. And if you've got a Bible tonight, can you please turn to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2. And we're going to read verse 14 to 21 together. It will be up on the screen behind me as well. But Acts chapter 2, verse 14 to 21. And it says this. So we see the revival is an awakening, it's a revitalization, it's a return to a former glory within the church. It's when people fall in love with Jesus again, they get a fresh passion for Jesus, to know him and also to make him known. And as we've seen, revival it affects the non Christians, it affects communities, but it's primarily for the people of God and As we've seen, revival is completely a work of God. It's not a meeting, it's not something that's conjured up by people. It is a work completely of the Lord. And God initiates it, He is in it, He leads it, and it's up to Him when it comes to an end. So, a few weeks ago, we began looking at stories of revival. You know, we looked at many things regarding revival. but We began looking at some of the great revivals of the past. And we looked at the Great Awakening, the first Great Awakening. And then when I was away, I, my father shared on the Welsh revival, which I'm gutted I missed. I love that Welsh revival. So many preachers and brings out the PowerPoint for it as well. So I hope the PowerPoint I got tonight matches up to that PowerPoint that. Uh, but uh, he brought that about the Welsh revival, and tonight we are going to look at another great revival, and that great revival is the Azusa Street revival. The Azusa Street revival, and this revival it took place between 1906. And 1915 and uh, we see that God did something absolutely incredible within this revival there was a, this intensity there was this expectancy that began to rise within Los Angeles within Ca- in California because in Los, Island- in Los Angeles they hear of what God was doing here in Wales they hear that in 1904 God had poured out his spirit and within a matter uh, of a year, that over 100,000 people came to know the Lord Jesus. That's absolutely incredible what God did here in this land. But you know that news spread right across all the way to California on the west coast of America. And you know this was exciting, especially for those evangelicals around the world. Because they've been praying that God will pour out His Spirit as He had promised in the Old Testament. And as He promised in, uh, in acts as we've just read from that incredible prophecy from joel where it says in the last days i'll pour out my spirit upon all flesh they were believers who had been crying out for this for praying for this and they thought that as god was pouring out his spirit in wales it suggested that a great end time revival was going to happen that god was going to do it across the world that god was going to move in a great and mighty way and the news of the welsh revival it piqued the interest of this guy here called Joseph Small, and he was a pastor of First Baptist Church in Los Angeles and he was so intrigued by this revival he was so hungry for it that he travelled all the way from Los Angeles to Wales to see it firsthand I you know at that time they didn't have you know travel wasn't like it is today you know it must have been very difficult for him to get over here but he was determined to see what God was doing. He was hungry for God. There was this hunger to see what God was doing. And then when he returned home to, to America, he told his congregation all about the revival, about the incredible things that God did. And he wrote this, that fully 200 of them came out of their seats and wept in penitence before the Lord. He seen that God done something incredible. God was moving over 200 people, He seen being touched by the power of God. And so what he decided to do, as he felt led by the Lord, was he decided to hold daily meetings, both in the afternoons and in the evenings. And he continued to preach this. He wanted to see revival break out in America. He didn't want it just to be news from Wales. He wanted to preach it in America. He longed for people to come to know Jesus in America. And he he continued to hammer away at the need for a revival within Los Angeles. And the church members, they caught hold of this. And they began to have a new hunger and they sought earnestly the power of the Holy Spirit. They believed that it was the Holy Spirit was the one who was going to do this in and through them. As they seen on the day of Pentecost, that it was God's Spirit coming in and filling people. He was going to do it and that's what they needed. So, and so the people in that church of Joseph Wall, they began to seek the whole baptism in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But you know, after just 15 weeks of this preaching, of preaching about revival... The church board complained about it, and they compo- uh, complained about Joseph Small, and as a result, he ended up leaving the church. They kicked him out of the church. It hasn't been quite 15 weeks yet that I've been preaching this series, but please don't kick me out after I preach this. They kicked him out. They didn't want it. It's incredible, isn't it? You know, just somebody has such a passion and fire for God and hunger for God. It's amazing how those apathetic people around them will do anything to quench that flame. You know, but as a people, we can't let those around us, even those, those who are apathetic, those who are indifferent, we can't let that stop us from keeping on pursuing and seeking after God. You know, we can't let that deter us. We've got to be a people who keep believing for God, be unashamed of what God has laid on our hearts, and preach it faithfully for the glory of our God. There was another congregation called the Second Baptist Church, First Baptist Church, now the Second Baptist Church. And they also experienced division at that time when they... There's this woman called Julia Hutchinson, she was an African American and, and they believed in this holiness movement about how people have to be set apart to God and surrender their lives to God and, and go ho- all out for God. And there was division because of that within another church, in this church here as well and, and they were desperate to see God move. We see that this hunger for God caused the division within the church there and there were splits within these churches. However, it didn't stop this passion that these group of believers were having. That God, by His Spirit, was beginning to awaken something within their hearts. That there's got to be more. There's got to be more. We've got to pray and believe for more. Because God is a God of more. God is a God who is able to pour out His Spirit. I, know I want to encourage us as a church. There is more. There is more for this. And if we become settled with this and, and happy with this, then, you know, we might as well pack it in now. Because I believe we are going after what God has promised as a church. We are pressing into God. We're going to keep seeking Him. We're going to keep praying and keep believing. And even when that promise comes, even when He does pour out the Spirit, we're going to keep on praying, keep believing. Because we believe God's going to do great things. And that's what they had a desire for. And what they decided to do, even though these people were kicking them out of the churches... They were going to still seek God. They were going to still pursue God, and they were going to continue to pray for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit within their land. There was another gentleman by the name of William J. Seymour, and he was an African American. He was born on the second of May in eighteen seventy, and he was born in Louisiana. And he was a son of a former slave, Simon and Phyllis Seymour, and they raised him within a Baptist church. He had been raised as a Baptist, and and later on in his life, he was living in Cincinnati in Ohio, and he came into contact with this holiness teacher. Uh, and he was totally gripped by this holiness teaching, uh, totally gripped by this preaching. He'd never heard preaching like this before. But God, you know, This passion and this fire and this love for God. I you know these preachers would declare about how, how God was doing great things and how God was going to pour out his spirit before he came again for his church. I know they kept preaching this that the rapture is going to come when God pours out His Spirit. The rapture is going to come, and this totally gripped uh, Williams' heart. It totally gripped his heart, and it impressed him greatly. And then afterwards, we see in his life that he ends up moving to to Houston, and he attends this school with this guy called Charles Parham. And this guy, Charles Parham, he was he led the Midwestern Apostolic Faith Movement. He was this great man of God, and He was one of those uh, guys who loved God and believed in the baptism and the Holy Spirit. He preached about the Holy Spirit. He preached all these things. And this totally gripped William Seymour's heart. And William Seymour got close to this guy and wanted to learn from him and and, uh, sit under his teaching and, and wanted to continue preaching this. But you know, there were still some people within the land at that time, within America at that time, who didn't accept his view on the baptism in the Holy Spirit, that the initial evidence of the baptism in the Holy Spirit was speaking in tongues. But he continued to preach it anyway, he continued to believe for it. There was a, another guy called Nellie Terry, and he was an African American, and he was a member of Hutchinson's church, and he wanted to, and they would long to see God move as well. And Seymour, after he'd been affected by Parham's teaching, he began to preach, and he began to preach powerfully under the anointed of the Holy Spirit. And and this guy, he, he heard William Seymour preaching and he said, we've got to have this guy as pastor of our church. We need to get William Seymour as pastor of our church. So they recommended him uh, to this church and William Seymour, he accepted this invitation to go to Los Angeles and to pastor this small church, to go there and pastor this small church. And, and we see that the, the, uh, Parham, he would follow him as well. He would go there and support him as well you know it's amazing Seymour he got up he was filled with the power of God he loved God he wanted to preach about the baptism in the Holy Spirit but just two days after arriving in this small in this new congregation and after preaching about the baptism in the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues he immediately encountered resistance they didn't want to hear it they didn't want to believe that there was a second experience after salvation they believed that the Holy Spirit was given in conversion and that was it you know they didn't believe in the second baptism but he kept preaching at it anyway and so Seymour he was undaunted in by this this didn't stop him at all and he was staying in this guy's house called Edward S Lee and Edward S Lee said okay if the church are going to resist you and they're not going to allow you to preach anymore be a pastor of that church then just come to my house and I'll open up my house and you can do Bible studies in my house. You can preach and you can pray in my house. And so they began to do that. See more, few other people who were hungry for God. They began to meet in this guy's house, Edward S. Lee's house. And five weeks later, this guy Edward S. Lee, he was the first to get baptized in the Holy Spirit and speak in tongues. After five weeks of teaching, preaching, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. And then after that we read testimonies of god beginning to pour out his spirit from a small group of people and people began to get baptized in the spirit and speak in other tongues the holy spirit gave them utterance. a word of these events began to spread everywhere that god was doing something great and they had these porch meetings Outside people's houses on the front porch, they would open up these meetings just to get the word, get the gospel out there to to preach about what Jesus was doing, uh, what Jesus had done, and they were preaching and and sharing the good news of Jesus, and and the crowds were responding. God was doing something incredibly great. But after some time, these porch meetings ended. Apparently, one of the porches collapsed uh, when when this was happening. And so they decided this group of people who were now filled with the Spirit, who had a passion for God, who were hungry for revival, they rented this building <coughs> called the it was formerly known as the Stevens African Methodist Episcopal, Episcopal Church. That's about is isn't it? I thought Abraham and Pentecostal Church is an old fashioned name. Talk about an old fashioned name for that. Uh, but that church, they rented that church, and that church was on 312 Azusa Street. This is the church behind me. This is the church that they began to rent, and a Los Angeles newspaper referred to this building as a tumble-down shack. It's a great building with great confidence, doesn't it? I don't know if anybody would say that about this building. but <laughs> Not quite a tumble-down shack. Uh, but, you know, they met in this place, and this place had previously been used as a barn, and there was all this livestock mess on the floor. There was all plaster everywhere, timber all over the floor. It was a complete and utter mess on the ground, fo- on the ground floor. But, you know, as they came together, these group of believers, this church, they changed the name to Apostolic Faith Mission, and it quickly got the attention of the press. Not because of the fact that they changed the name or someone actually rented out this building. It was actually because God was doing something incredible in this tumble down, you know, rubbish building. God was doing something incredible amongst the people. Apparently, it says, according to reports, There are about 300 to 350 people fitted into that old building, even though it was was all falling apart, even though it was dilapidated, over 300 to 350 people would gather in that place to seek God, to pray, to call upon his name. In that small place, it all started with a small group of people and it began to grow and grow. And services, they were held on the first floor and apparently the benches were in a rectangular pattern for those of you who were interested in that. And apparently, some of the benches were put, it was just simply planks put on nail boxes, balancing on nail boxes. boxes. So, if you think the seats are you tonight, we've got nothing to complain about. Even some of the seats in Anglican churches are comfier than what these guys had in this church. Just a, black, uh, just a plank on nail boxes. In that building, there was no elevated platform like we've got. There was no platform, there was no lectern, nothing like that, so people could preach. And, you know. It didn't matter about any of that. God was in the place. God was moving because there was a group of people there who were hungry and were desiring to seek His face. I know what's incredible is William Seymour is probably considered one of the most well known leaders of this. But he was an unmissable guy, he was a humble guy. And actually, there's this guy who said, uh, Frank Bartleman, and he said when he went there, he saw that Brother Seymour, he, as he called him, he sat behind two empty shoe boxes and he had his head. Hung low and he just often being prayed to whom he There was no pride with him, there was no, uh, nothing about him. He was just sitting, hiding behind these two boxes and just seeking the Lord. And that just showed and just began to tell of who this guy was. And this guy was an unassuming guy, he was a humble guy, he just loved God and wanted to see God move in that place. On the second floor of that place, uh, there were several other rooms and uh, it's where Seymour actually stayed with his wife, Jenny. And in that place, on the second floor, they would often hold large prayer meetings. And it would also often be the overflow place. But when, uh, when God was moving and the services were packed out, people would have to go up to the second floor just to go and pray. and be a part of that place. It would be amazing if we had to open up that door. It's just an overflow of what God was doing. And that's what we believe in for. That's what we pray for. We believe God can do it. But you know, in 1906, as God was doing this, the revival was only, it was only moving slowly. Uh, and in particular, over the summer months, it was just moving very, very slowly. With reports of 150 people receiving the gift of speaking in tongues and being baptised in the Holy Spirit. To me, that doesn't sound slow at all. That sounds absolutely incredible. But, you know, in, 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 for the sake of revival, that, that seems quite slow. It was slow in picking up pace. But apparently... According to reports, in the autumn, the revival began to gain momentum. and People from far and wide, all over Los Angeles, all over California, all over America, began to draw to this old dilapidated building because God was in place. God was doing something incredible. Thousands upon thousands of people were saved. Miracles were taking place. People were being baptized with the Holy Spirit. Not only did it affect America, but news of what was happening in the Azusa Street spread across the globe. North America, Europe, other parts of the world, they all heard of what God was doing. People even went over to see what God was doing there and came back on fire for God. There was this new passion for God. God was doing something incredible. God was pouring out His Spirit. And you know what was incredible about this revival as well? Amongst not only the fact that thousands were getting saved and it shook the world. But it was the fact that there was an incredible unity that happened at that time. You know, at that time, you know, uh, people of different skin color were were looked down upon. But God brought this all together. There was an incredible unity of Latinos, African-Americans, whites, people of all different backgrounds, of all different races. They were brought together by God and they all came together to worship him. And God just poured out his spirit in an incredible and mighty way that was totally unprecedented for its time. You know, unfortunately, we're living in a time where racism is on the rise again. It's all over sport at the moment. If you're interested in sport, it's gone absolutely horrific seeing it. You know, but God is able to break down racial barriers when he moves. God is able to tear these things down. And we see in 1906, God was doing something incredible. And this is what the first issue of Apostolic Faith reported in September 1906. It says this, in a short time, God began to manifest his power, and soon the building could not contain the people. Proud, well-dressed preachers came in to investigate. Soon their high looks are replaced with wonder. Then conviction comes in, and very often you will find them in a short time wallowing on the dirty floor, asking God to forgive them and make them as little children. That's incredible. These guys, these great men of God were bent low by the power of God. They were humbled by God. That God would take these people, these nobodies, a small group of nobodies, and God would use them and breathe in them to change a nation, to change the world. You know, as we come to a conclusion tonight, the Yerusha Street Revival was an incredible revival. Not only because it has thousands of people were saved, but because actually that revival began the Pentecostal Movement. Which we are now a part of. It all began through the Azusa Street revival. Where God poured out the Spirit. And this is where this all comes from. It's impacted our nation. This is where the assemblies of God has come from. And all these different things. They were all raised up. All as a result of what God did at Azusa Street. This hunger for the baptism in the Holy Spirit. This hunger for the power of the Holy Spirit within their lives. This desire and this realisation that we need the Holy Spirit. And they all came from Azusa Street. And, you know, as I said, in Azusa Street, the Holy Spirit brought all these different people together and they began to spread the spread the gospel, spread the good news of Jesus, the love of Jesus. And they began to win the world for Jesus. They began to win the city, the country for Jesus. You know, my prayer is tonight is that God will do something very simple in this place. Yeah, we know what, you know, we thank God for revival, we thank God for his registry. But I pray that God will call out the Spirit again in this place. You know, it doesn't matter tonight if there are 30 people maybe here tonight, maybe even less than that. It all started with just one or two people who began to, the Holy Spirit came upon them and they had a hunger and passion for God. And God just breathed on them and changed the nation. God is able to do the same. He did it in the Welsh revival with everyone, but it's just one guy. Pray prayed and sought God, and God used it mightily to share the good news of Jesus. God is able to do that. And our nation needs it. Our nation needs revival. Well, I'm going to be honest, all right? Our church needs revival. This place needs revival. We can look up and down at other churches, but this place needs revival. Our lives need revival. Each one of us needs revival. And it is only the Holy Spirit who is able to do that. It is only Him who can awaken. Fresh love for Jesus. And so tonight, I want us as we come to a conclusion, before we, put, you know, we can pray for our nation, we can pray for revival in our land. You know, as I've viewed before, revival starts with me. God, do it in me. Humble me. Forgive me. Cleanse me. Empower me again. Fill me again. It starts with me, it starts with you. That's where revival starts. And, you know, as jesus Street, as I said, an incredible revival. Wouldn't it be amazing to hear about the Abraham Revival in 2019? that started in a small rundown building in the middle of nowhere with a bunch of nobodies. But God changed the nation. And you know our nation needs it at this time. With all this confusion, they need God. So let's pray tonight and let's believe tonight that God will move. You know the whole reason for these stories of sharing just of what God has done in the past is just to inspire us and encourage us to believe for it today. You know, when I read about a Bible, it awakens my heart, it grips my heart. And I pray that the Lord will do the same within you Like As you hear of what he's done, he will do it in you. Um, and shall we pray? Thanks again for listening to this podcast. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe. And check out our podcast channel for past episodes. For more content from Gateway and to connect with us, go to gatewaychurchcumry.co.uk. Have a great day.